0: Welcome to Hashtags and Stilettos with Sakita Holly, the podcast that's like having your own personal publicist in your pocket, sharing business, lifestyle, and PR tips on demand. Today's guest is Olori Swank. Olori is an entrepreneur. A celebrity stylist, a fashion designer, and she recently became an author with the release of her first book, 101 The Blueprint for a Swank Life, which is a fashion and lifestyle advice guide that provides tips on style, dating, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. As a celebrity stylist, Olori has worked with notable names such as Keisha Cole, Tyrese, Tiana Taylor, Lance Gross, Kiki Palmer, and others. She used the knowledge that she gained from styling celebrities to create Swank Blue, an e-boutique that sells affordable high-end fashion. And when that took off and became successful, she launched two workshops to teach people how they could create their own profitable online store or succeed in the styling world. Today, I'll be talking with Olori about how she's been able to build a recognizable personal brand and how she was able to leverage her passion and skill set into such a well-connected multi-business ecosystem. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Yes, I'm excited. And I'm you know the funny thing about when I interview people is like when I read their intro or their bio, I'm like, that could really be the whole show. Like, I don't <laughs> even need to like, we, what do we really need to talk about? Like, we just we just kind of did the whole thing. But um, so I have to congratulate you on all that you've done. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much.
0: Yes. And especially uh, the new book. And I'm definitely going to come back to that. But I want to start by talking about how your signature look of blue hair became part of your personal brand. Now because that's actually how you got on my radar probably a year or two ago. I remember I was scrolling through one of those curated beauty pages on Instagram and you were featured in a style inspiration post. So of course, you know, I hit like and did the whole silent yes, you know, in my head, like, okay, fuck it up, girl, yes, you know. You yes. know, in my head and, and I kept it moving. I didn't think anything of it. Then, you know, a few weeks or probably months later, I see you featured on another page and that's when I, I'm like, All right, like who is she? (laughs) You You know, let me click through and see what's going on. So tell me the blue hair origin story. Like when did you first experiment with that hair color and was it intentional for that to become your signature look and be such a big part of your current identity?
1: Your story of how you discovered me is very similar to a lot of stories that I hear from everybody else. They usually Mm -hmm. see me somewhere and it's like, who's this girl with this blue hair? And they Mm -hmm. want to know more about me, which is funny because the blue hair was not intentional for me. It was an accident that I was completely Mm -hmm. mortified by. Like I remember (laughs) sitting in that lady's chair and just bawling my eyes out because at the Mm -hmm. time, No one had blue hair. I couldn't think of anybody that looked cool with blue hair. And Mm -hmm. when I went in there, I asked her, I wanted pink hair with purple highlights. And Mm -hmm. when she was done, it was blue. And I was like, yo, this is is not what I wanted. (laughs) Like, why? Mm -hmm. I cried. I literally, I remember sitting Mm -hmm. in her chair just crying like, this is not okay. I look like a freak. And, Mm -hmm. um... There was nothing she could do about it because I had to go to the airport. I was going to be late for my flight. And she Mm. tells me that, you know, just go now. When you come back to town, I'll fix it for free, blah, blah, blah. And so I left because I had no choice but to leave. And when I got to where I was going everybody loved my hair. Like I started getting compliments mm-hmm. in the airport. They're like, oh my God, your hair, it's so cool. And then I got to where I was going and the people there were like, yo, we love your hair. We never seen blue hair before. Like this is dope. And I've been
0: wearing mm-hmm. blue hair
1: ever since. This was in like 2008.
0: Wow. That's amazing. It's crazy yeah. how that went from almost a tragedy exactly <laughs> to... <laughs> Would be a good thing. So now it's been it's been years since you kind of changed your hair color, and obviously the reception and it's been, has been crazy. And that's how people identify you or come to know you. Do you ever see yourself changing changing it up at some point? To be honest, when it comes to the color,
1: I really don't see myself ever changing the color. Like Patricia Fields mm. is known for her signature red hair, and I feel like I'm gonna be a Lori Swank that's known for my blue hair. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes I do experiment just a little bit like I've recently started adding additional colors to the blue so like right now it's gray at the top and then the bottom is blue and then a couple months ago Mm -hmm. I had like this unicorn situation that was going on where I had like some pink highlights and other things but the foundation of my hair will always be blue if I change anything it'll be the style like sometimes it's long sometimes I have a bob I've done the cornrows Mm -hmm. I've done blue dreads but color Otherwise, no. I'm probably going to have blue hair forever. I don't think I would be able right. to recognize myself if I didn't. I don't think my mom would recognize me either if I showed up in her house with a different hair color. So, yeah, blue is my thing.
0: And it's interesting that you say, uh, you reference pa- Patricia Field, because I'm also thinking, you know, about the uproar if Anna Wintour decided, you know, let me go get some clip-ins. Right. Like, <laughs> like you know, like, people would be like, um, th- you know, she's clearly about to retire because she's done. exactly <laughs> <laughs> Right. And it's like, you know, when Drake shaved off his beard. And I mean, that was, you know, recently, but people really, you know, felt some type of way. Yeah. Like, they were sending him, like, hashtag R.I.P. So, right. Like, so R. P. It's very. Okay. And, yeah, right. Like, what are you? What are you going through right now? <laughs> like, and it's like Rachel Zoe, who who is also a well known fashion stylist. Like, she was instrumental in kind of making the bohemian chic vibe popular. So. Yeah. All of those examples and when it comes to you being in the fashion and styling industry, do you believe that having a visible and consistent style such as hair color or even a look is an, is an important factor to building a personal brand? Um, I definitely
1: think having some signature style or signature image is Important To your brand Like when people see you They should start to think Of certain things Like when people see me They think of the color blue Or when they see blue things They think about me I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think That your signature thing Has to be your hair though It could maybe be That you're known For every time people see you You have on some Different kind of hat Or maybe you're Mm -hmm. The queen of sunglasses Or reading glasses Like maybe you just Always have a different Pair of glasses Or maybe it's that Mm -hmm. You decide that Whatever it is you wear, you're only wearing black and white and that's your signature thing. So I think it's important to have something that the public and the people that look at you can kind of begin to relate to you and your style.
0: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So for you, aside from the hair, and obviously that was, wasn't was intentional at first, but what are some deliberate moves since then that you have made uh, to build your personal brand and or reputation in this styling space uh, and fashion?
1: Um, I think when it comes to tangible things, my hair is mm-hmm. definitely the biggest thing you can use to identify me with. So I didn't think I had to do too many more tangible, visible things to build my brand, Mm -hmm. what I began to do was form a habit of under-promising and over-delivering. So Mm. over the course of time, I became known as the person who always does what they say they're going to do. And they do it really, really well. Because when I say I'm going to do something, I'm usually telling you less than what I plan on doing. And I'm giving myself Mm. room to get it done within the amount of time that I say I get it done. So I would say I I just... had a really good habit of making sure that I underpromised and over-delivered.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's how I so built my reputation as well.
0: Okay, and going back to the reputation part and how you got into the field, um, I read in the previous interview that after college, you graduated with a degree in psychology and you fully intended to go to medical school, but then you had a chance meeting, again, another accident, right. <laughs> with a record career, label. That exactly. is the theme. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, you had a chance meeting with a record label exec who wanted you to style one of their clients. Like, what happened after that first gig? Like, were you bit by the styling bug and just decided that this was an area you wanted to stay in? Or did you immediately sit down and kind of map out this whole plan and vision for what you're doing now? Well,
1: I guess I'll start off by taking it back to school. When I was in school, I had, like, full intentions of becoming a neurosurgeon. Um, I knew Mm. that was what I was going to do. And I didn't really play around with too many other options of like, oh, well, maybe I could do this or maybe I could do that. I had been telling everyone since about the age of two that I was going to be a doctor. So Mm. because of that, when I was in school, I went to school all four years all year round because I was trying to get like multiple degrees and such at Within that four year span. So I never took like Mm -hmm. a summer off or anything like that. And when I finally graduated, I told myself, I said, I'm going to take one full year off and just make it Mm -hmm. one big vacation. I've been to school four years straight and never taken a summer so this is going mm-hmm. to be my one year of just chilling, traveling, doing whatever it is that I want to do. And in that year was when I met the VP of A&R for Jive at the time. And he was like, I have this artist and I want you to style her. And I didn't even know what a stylist was because my response to mm-hmm. him was, I-, I don't do hair. And he was like, no, <laughs> like, I don't want you to do her hair. Like, I want you to do mm-hmm. her wardrobe, like make her look like how you look. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's pretty simple like i get up and get dressed every day like i was the girl on campus who was known for walking around the university of georgia with like six inch stilettos going Mm -hmm. from class to class and wearing business suits to class on exam day when everybody else had sweatpants and ponytails because they were stressed out from studying the night before so for me Mm -hmm. to just make dress somebody else the way that i dressed like that was pretty simple for me. I had a good handle on fashion, even though I didn't know that I could make a career out of it. And so when he asked me to style the girl, I thought I was just doing a friend a favor until the accounting department from Sony BMG, which owns Jive, called and Mm -hmm. they were like, we need, you know, your text ID, EIN number. Where are we wiring this advance to? What What mm-hmm. is the budget? And all these questions that I literally had no idea how to answer. And in mm-hmm. that, I basically told the lady on the phone that I would call her back in like an hour. I told her I was in the middle of something and I would call her back. Mm-hmm. In that hour, I Googled every single
0: thing that she asked <laughs> me
1: to provide.
0: Mm-hmm. Just
1: to figure out what it was and how I could get one. Right. And so in... A span of about six days, I figured out how to get every single thing that I needed to get. So six days later, I now had already turned in my paperwork to the secretary of state to file for my LLC. I had a business Mm -hmm. bank account, a P.O. box, a tax ID number and all these things. Like I formulated my business in six days with no knowledge of anything. Um, basically right. just looking on Google and letting the Internet teach me how to build a business per se. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, after I styled the first job, I was like, you know what? I can actually get paid for this. Like people make a career out of this. Like this is fun. I think I'm going to try it mm-hmm. out. And that's how my career kind of started
0: well that's that's awesome so once my next question was going to be like how'd you get the second styling client but I guess after you did all that legwork you like I, I better have a second but client I mean,
1: to be completely honest with you I had a unique problem um mm. my problem was that my first client was on a major label and a, mm-hmm. a growing budding celebrity at the time and I didn't have a portfolio or experience mm-hmm. or anything else. So it was actually harder for me to book my second client. Um, mm. So what I did was I actually took a break from trying to secure clients and use that okay. time to basically try to learn how to be a stylist. So I did okay. a lot of test shoots, which a test shoot is basically like something that you're not getting paid for. Like um, mm-hmm. you're just using doing the shoot for images or whatever. So I did like a lot of test shoots to build my portfolio and took on a lot Mm -hmm. of jobs for like less than what a stylist would charge or even free at times just to be able to build a resume and to gain that experience that would make me feel comfortable to begin to charge my second clients and feel comfortable on set, et cetera. So I basically, the timeline of my career is I got a client and then I took a break to learn the business and then I came back to trying to get clients. <clears throat>
0: That's You said something really important that I want to touch on for a second. You said that, okay, you didn't have a portfolio. You didn't have an experience because you kind of just fell into this opportunity. Today, I find a lot of people, and I'm sure you get these types of questions in, on social media and to your email about how can I get started. And the thing that you said is that, you know, I did test shoots. I wasn't getting paid or, you know, you weren't necessarily able to pay people probably. And you took other jobs that were either free or way below below your rate a lot of people today aren't willing to do that legwork because there's this whole culture of well it's freelance but it's not free but they don't realize that so many of us myself included have done those non-paid internships but it got us in the door to being able to do or get the access to the people we wanted to get access to so do you advise people to you know if there's an opportunity to gain experience do you advise them to do it if it's not paid Yeah,
1: I mean, to be honest, I think the issue with a lot of people today is an entitlement issue. Um, Mm -hmm. Everyone feels like the whole fake it till you make it thing is what is going to get you to where you need to be. And they take that Mm -hmm. as in, well, I'm not going to do nothing for free because if I start doing it for free now, I'll never get paid. Versus looking Mm -hmm. at it as an opportunity to craft your skill like to get better Mm -hmm. at what it is that you're doing. Um, I have these things that I call swankisms and they're like little Mm -hmm. random things that I say, like little catchy phrases or whatever. And one of them is you have to pay your dues before you can expect your change. So I think Mm -hmm. that every single person, like you have to start from somewhere in order to be the best. In order for you to put Mm -hmm. in your 10,000 hours to be a master at something, you have to start at hour one. And hour one doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that you're going to get paid for it so like don't be ashamed to take jobs just for the experience especially if you need experience like it's a learning tool so right I would say all the way like humble yourself and take those free gigs or those lower paying jobs to learn what it is that you're trying to excel at
0: Absolutely. And one more thing on the, on the second client. So you did all that legwork on your own to, to build your portfolio. Was it difficult once you were ready to go after that second client to secure them? Like, were they skeptical? Did they give you a hard time? Like, what was that process like to get that next client and even the third one?
1: Um, I think it's just kind of like pounding the pavement, <clears throat> I made sure that I had all of my materials together, so I had, like, my email that I send out already crafted. Of course, I now had a portfolio that I could send to a company that I had a resume showing like little jobs that I've done. And just because you do a job for free doesn't mean you can't put it on your resume because at the end of the day you did work. So I now had a resume with things on it. And so it was just a matter of me sending out emails, doing cold calls and just kind of scouting for jobs like how any other profession Or any other entrepreneur would look for new business. I just like the fact that I had my tools together helped me to secure a client, but I still had to do the work. It's not like they just started falling in my lap because I had now put in this work like I put in the work to get my tools together. And then now I hit the pavement to distribute my tools, per se, to the different people that could possibly hire me
0: that's awesome that's awesome advice so you're styling now things are are going good you got your tools you got your clients so at what point in this whole styling uh career and venture did you decide to launch your eboutique swankblue.com like how did that decision materialize
1: well I think throughout this interview so far we've established that my career is a bunch of I guess well calculated accidents. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yes, Swank Blue is no different. The way I started Swank mm-hmm. Blue was I have a habit of cleaning out my closet every year, or sometimes two years, sometimes six months. When I start to feel like I have too much clutter around me, I do like a massive mm-hmm. just clean up and. Um, okay. I would typically just take every single thing in my closet except for maybe like 10 things and just put it all in garbage bags and take it to Goodwill and drop it off. Like the Goodwill people would consistently ask me, like, are you moving or something? Like, you have a lot of (laughs) of donations. And I'm like, no, I'm just cleaning out my closet. No, I have 300 Mm -hmm. pair of shoes and I don't know why. So I'm giving y'all 250 of them. Like that was like my, my thing that I would do. And my friends would be so pissed every time like why didn't you let us mm-hmm. do it first and I'm like because I just got tired of looking at this stuff and I wanted it gone right. immediately so one night I looked at my closet and I was like I got to get rid of all this stuff and I thought about all my friends mm-hmm. and the text messages and the emails and the phone calls that I would get and I said you know what let me do it this way I'm going to photograph every single thing that I'm getting rid of put it online mm-hmm. Whoever wants what, give me $5, $10, whatever. Pay for the shipping and Mm -hmm. you can have it. And whatever they don't buy, I'm just going to take and donate that. That way I don't have to hear Mm -hmm. nobody's mouth like you had your opportunity. (laughs) So I take pictures of all this stuff and then I get on Google and I Google best websites to sell stuff online. And I stumbled upon this website called Big Cartel. I... Mm -hmm basically uploaded all the pictures that i took on my iphone put a price on there it was pretty simple and very very foolproof um Mm -hmm. by the time four o'clock in the morning rolled around i was done and i Mm -hmm. put i changed my facebook status because at this time facebook and twitter was where everybody was at so right i changed my facebook status to say hey cleaning out my closet Click this link here to see what all I'm getting rid of. Everything is five to ten dollars, and I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I wake up and I had seven hundred dollars in my PayPal account. Wow! And I was like, ooh. <laughs> I was like, "Uh, okay, wait a minute. I was like, all right, right. um, well, let me put up the other half of this stuff then. (laughs) So then I did it again, and um, Mm -hmm. immediately I sold out of everything. And watching those notifications come through my email, like, oh, such-and-such purchased this, and then going through the process of, like, shipping everything and writing the labels, like, it was kind of exciting to me. And I was Mm -hmm. like, um... I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to sell all my stuff till I get rid of everything. And so I did that, and then I ran out of stuff to sell. But at this point, mm-hmm. I was still getting emails and tweets and like Facebook mm-hmm. comments like, hey, when are you putting up more stuff? And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I don't have no more stuff. like, <laughs> I really don't. And, but people were mm-hmm. not trying to hear it. So then I thought to myself, well, people like what I like. So mm-hmm. let me start finding things. And so I became a buyer okay. and ironically I ended up back at Goodwill and I became mm-hmm, a thrifter. Mm-hmm. This was when thrifting mm-hmm. was cool too. So I would go in was a big deal, right? yeah, I would spend all day in there. I would find like old Chanel blazers and Oscar mm-hmm. de la Renta and Giorgio Armani and I would buy it all for mm-hmm. like a dollar, 50 cents, bring it home, clean it, steam it put it on a mannequin, take the pictures on my iPhone, and post it for like $15, $20. As my Mm -hmm. sales increased, so did my prices. I didn't just drastically start gouging people either because I knew people were coming to my site because everything was affordable, and so I wanted to keep it that way. And Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how Swank Blue started. When I moved to L.A., I discovered the fashion district where I could now get like manufacturers to start making my own things and I could start buying Mm -hmm. wholesale from distributors and so then I turned from just only offering vintage and gently used things to now offering like brand new things with like vintage and consignment stuff on the side so my business model shifted a little bit but at the end of the day I wanted to stay true to offering really really fashionable things at an affordable price.
0: Okay, so and that's an awesome story. So you started on Big Cartel. How long did it take you to kind of say, okay, I need to kind of put a, a real business name and everything around it and get to Swink Blue? And what percentage, I would say, of your the clothes that you sell do you personally design, and what percentage is like wholesale, and do you do you buy?
1: Um, I'm. Uh, The type of person that whenever I do something, I always want the presentation to be on super point. So Mm -hmm. at the moment that I decided I wanted to start going to Goodwill and turn this into a thing was when I started like getting my logo. I actually designed my logo myself. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I did a logo And then I started researching like different themes that you can get on Big Cartel to make your site look better. I learned how Mm -hmm. to do like basic coding and stuff. And so in the beginning stage of my business, I was everybody. I was the Mm -hmm. fulfillment center. I was the buyer. I was the photographer. I was Mm -hmm. the web designer. I was the graphic designer. And I didn't let the fact that I couldn't afford to hire all these people deter me from still getting the job done. So mm-hmm. from day one, my site always looked the best that it could possibly look for what I could get done at the time. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, as the years have gone by, I've made different shifts and changes and hired different people. But I'd say at the core of my site, like it's just a clean, well-designed site. Every time Mm -hmm. since I started to now Um, in regards to like the whole design process, I design some of the pieces that go on the site, but I also collaborate with a lot of other designers as well and then I like to if I see a designer that I like that I've used for one of my celebrity clients I might Mm -hmm. decide to do like a little capsule collection with them in conjunction Mm -hmm. to my site and you'll be seeing a lot Mm -hmm. more of that as the months go by because I have some pretty exciting collaborations that I'm working on right now um okay but for the most part Swank Blue is a combination of items that I've designed, items that me and my design team have worked on or that we've collaborated on with other designers. And then like a few pieces that we get from manufacturers all over the world.
0: Okay, that's awesome. So these days, right, everybody is selling something online and there are, you know, more e-stores launching daily. I'm sure you break this down in your new book, but do you think starting an online store is a viable business idea today? And if so, what advice would you give someone who is interested in opening up a store?
1: Um, I definitely think that e-commerce is a big business. People are more comfortable shopping on the internet it's more Mm -hmm. convenient for people to shop on the internet. And so I definitely wouldn't deter anybody from starting anything online. What I will say though, is just make sure that before you start to take people's money and become a quote unquote business, that you learn about the business. Um, Mm -hmm. Your reputation online is really, really important, especially because there are a lot of people who are starting these online stores, but don't necessarily know what they're doing. And that's what builds the era of the scam boutiques and the Instagram boutiques and all the negativity. It just comes from the fact that, People don't take the time to offer good customer service. They don't get their products out on time. Mm-hmm. They don't respond to their customers' emails in a timely fashion. Packages get lost and they don't do their due diligence of tracking them for their customers, etc. Like A lot of people think that the sale ends once they collect someone's money. In actuality, the sale doesn't end until after your customer opens the box. Right. So... I think it's important that in the event you do decide to open one of these online stores that you just make sure you cover all bases when it comes to your store. Don't just think that you're going to take a picture of something, post it, put it on Twitter, and then boom, you have a store. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot more that goes into it than that. And so, that's why I started my e-boutique 101 workshop. Mm-hmm. It's because I see that there are so many people that want to start these online stores, but they don't know where to start or they don't know how to do it or they don't even know how to do it properly. So because I've started from literally ground zero of not knowing anything and Mm -hmm. not having anyone teach me, I'm like, let me start a workshop where people can sign up to actually learn the ins and outs of what it takes to be successful at e-commerce.
0: Right. So if you had to start all over, like let's, pretend Swank Blue never existed if you had to start today aside from and this is another uh, common thread with you is that you know you go right to Google you know and go to Google University and figure things out but what other things would you do if you had to start over today uh, to position or guarantee Swank Blue to be successful um
1: to be honest I wouldn't do anything different only because mm-hmm. the growth of Swank Blue was very organic and my customers have grown with my business and word of mouth marketing is still today the best form of marketing it brings in the most revenue and mm-hmm. just having a, a tribe of customers that believe in my store and love my store and keeping my store unique like I don't, I don't see anything that I could have done differently to make it better than what it is today
0: Okay. So I would change anything. So earlier I talked about how you have a multi-business ecosystem. And for me, when I think of an ecosystem, it's, there's a nucleus thing, there's a main thing, and for you that's fashion and styling, but then you have been able to masterfully create Brand extensions or business extensions that are in a different lane, but still connected to that main thing. And we see a lot of people, and I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but we see a lot of people with their hands in a lot of different pots, but it's hard to connect the dots for them. But for you, I mean, you've done such an amazing job. Like, and I know after a while you've been intentional about that, but. How did, like, were you always like this? Did you say to yourself, look, if I do anything, it's going to, everything's going to reflect back. It's going to have some type of blue symbolism. It's going to be about fashion and styling. It's going to be pulling the curtain back, teaching other people how I've done what I've done. Like, how did you kind of put this whole thing together?
1: Um, I think it just really starts back with, taking time out to learn my brand. Now mm. my brand is me and so I take a lot of time to study myself which I don't think people do a lot. People don't take mm-hmm. time there's they're more busy looking at other people and pointing out mm. things about other people than they are looking at themselves. I'm actually the complete opposite. I spend a lot okay. of time looking at looking at my decisions Um, Asking myself how I feel Like how do you feel about this I'll walk into a grocery store And begin to ask myself Like well why is it that you looked to the right first Instead of looking to the left Mm -hmm. What is it about the right that drew you to that place Or if I walk Mm -hmm. into a store And it makes me happy I'm like what is it that you like about this store And I begin to take those elements And add them to different things that I'm doing So when it comes to my business I don't do anything That doesn't feel right to me or that I wouldn't Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to sell anything that I wouldn't wear Um, I'm not going to promote anything that I wouldn't use Um, all of my businesses relate back to me in a sense because I am my brand so when it comes Mm -hmm. to Swank Blue it's like I like to wear clothes and Swank Blue actually started from my own personal closet with my book, it's like my book is about every single aspect of my life, from me working mm-hmm. out to, like, dating and relationships, etc. cetera. Um, fashion styling, that's my job. Like, every single thing I do, even down to my hair. Like, when I was selling mm-hmm. my hair extensions and I did the hair collaboration, it, were, it was colored hair extensions because that's what mm-hmm. I do. I, I stay in my lane, but I just have a lot of lanes, if that makes sense. Like there are certain things that that I'm not going to do because I'm like, I don't I don't live that life. So Mm -hmm. just because it's profitable or just because everybody else is doing it or just because it's like a good market to get into doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that I'm going to hop on that bandwagon. If it's not something that I physically do not do or will not be doing in the future, I leave it to other people who will do that. I don't oversaturate random markets. I try Mm -hmm. to find things that are missing in the world or problems that need to be fixed and offer a solution to those problems. So if there's already multiple solutions out there, I'm not going to get involved in that area of business. But if it's something Mm -hmm. that I'm passionate about, something that I do anyway, I'll go ahead and incorporate that in. But that's how I kind of pick and choose what I get involved with and what I don't.
0: Well, I mean, you said a, a few words, so I just want the listeners to really maybe rewind that back a little bit and marinate, because <laughs> she said a couple things there <laughs> that that I think we can all we can all learn from. Which is, I'm just getting so much life from from talking to you, and anytime I talk to another entrepreneur, I learn something, and or I'm reminded of of something that that really matters, and and what you touched. On, it's about just being authentic to yourself like you know what you're good at you know yeah. stop stepping beyond that like honor your own limits so I think that was that was amazing I want to talk Thank about you. your book 101 the blueprint for a swank life now I have this thing now where anytime like I'm an avid reader I read everything so I'm very excited to uh, I skim through it but I'm very excited to really read uh, your full book and I just love when black people Write a book I I love it Like I'm so happy You have a physical book Or it could have just been an ebook But a physical book that your audience and also other people who may not be familiar with you yet can just learn more about you. So can you tell me a little bit about your process? Did you self-publish? Like, how did, you know, you decide, and obviously there's a progression here. You did the, you were successful, you did the workshops, and you're like, you know, might as well kind of put this in a place where I can always refer people to this information. But how did it, how did it happen?
1: Well, my book started basically... (laughs) I wanted to be able to offer the people who look to me for answers a place where they can get more information. I feel like Mm -hmm. every time I was doing interviews or being asked questions in public, it was always Mm -hmm. about fashion and fashion styling. But when it comes to like my following, they're in my DMs or in my comments asking me about real life stuff like mm-hmm. how do you get your eyebrows to look like that what kind of hair dye do you use <laughs> or if I'm cooking mm-hmm. on snapchat it's like how do you make that lobster mac or can you post the mm-hmm. recipe for those short ribs or if I post my workouts it's like ooh, what kind of workout is that what kind of mask is that that you're using to train how is your skin mm-hmm. so clear oh you and Bay, y'all don't live in the same city so how is it that you keep your relationship <clears throat> together like you're always mm-hmm. working so like how does he feel about that and I'm like You know what, as a woman who does multiple things and Mm -hmm. is always juggling a project in addition to juggling real life, like, where do we go to get answers to, like, questions about life? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I decided to write a book about it. And I broke my book down into 13 chapters where I cover everything from like fashion and beauty, like how to organize your closet or purge your closet to like the different essentials that you need. I talk about hair and makeup and skin. I talk about like cooking, I have recipes in there for food and my favorite alcoholic beverages. I tell you how to like properly host a party, etc. Mm-hmm. And then I also talk about career stuff, so how to start a business and then finances, like how to save, and I talk about dating, mm-hmm. I talk about relationships. It's just like an an advice guide for the modern-day woman. And mm-hmm. I got my topics by basically polling all of my Followers, I said, hey, y'all, today I'm just going to let you ask me every single question you've ever wanted to ask me. It doesn't have to be about fashion. It could be about anything. And mm-hmm. I took all of their questions and organized them and categorized them. And that's basically what provided the skeleton for my book. And at first, my book, I called it 101 because it was supposed to be 101 pages. And on each Mm -hmm. page, I was going to answer the question like really short in a sentence. But as I started Mm -hmm. to read the questions, I realized that a lot of them needed more in-depth explanations. And so the book evolved from what was supposed to be a really, really short, quick pocket read to a full book with full chapters Mm -hmm. and Illustrations and diagrams I was about to say You
0: got some sexy illustrations in there Like it's clear (laughs) Like you just don't do anything Like you gotta put that little touch on it So those, those illustrations are like nice like they're Thank beautiful you. like I yeah, love that I have that. an amazing
1: illustrator I literally I get these dreams at night of things that I want to mm-hmm. see in pictures and we'll call her mm-hmm. on the phone and say I have a vision for this and I'm doing this and she'll just sketch it out color it and send it to me mm-hmm. like she's phenomenal but yeah I just I wanted to make sure that once again the presentation of my book was sensational like I didn't just okay. want some to slap a bunch of pages together like I wanted my book to look like you got it in Barnes and Noble. I wanted you right. to pick up my book and a book that has been written by an author who's been doing this forever and has some huge publishing house behind her and not be able Mm -hmm. to tell the difference I felt like I owed my customer because at the end of the day I'm selling a book I feel like I Mm -hmm. owed my customer that much like if you're investing into me you deserve to get a return on your investment so I had to make sure that my quality was impeccable I picked out my Mm -hmm. own paper samples I got my book formatted by like a professional formatter. So they laid the words out beautifully and pulled out Mm -hmm. different quotes and things like that. Um, My cover design, I had a vision in my head for what I wanted the cover to look like. And I sat there with the guy who designed my cover and went back and forth Mm -hmm. on different drafts. And like, I was very, very hands-on with the process of creating this book and I self-published it I did Mm -hmm. everything on my own which I think if you can afford to self-publish your book like that's the best way to go because you get all your profit versus going Mm -hmm. with some big publishing house and then having them take majority of the money for just putting the money up for you to do these things
0: so, right. So speaking yeah. of publishing, I, I saw something on the inside cover.
1: <laughs> I want to yeah. ask you about <laughs> it.
0: Uh, something about a swink publishing group or, or something to that effect? Is, is that going to yeah. be the next division of, of the business? Well,
1: I wouldn't necessarily say that I'll be publishing other authors, but I do have two more mm-hmm. books. Um, okay. I've actually already finished my second book. I'm not quite okay. sure when I'm going to release it and I'm halfway done with my third book. So I'll be self-publishing all my books and I'll be doing okay. that under Swank Publishing Group. I won't count out publishing other authors, but for now it's mm-hmm. pretty much just for my stuff.
0: OK, because because the way you kind of snuck and you didn't sneak it in there. you you It was there. But it w- it just reminded me about how, like, you know, we get a Beyonce lemonade when 200 weeks ago she posted a picture of a lemon. So right. I just wanted to... <laughs> You know, just little stuff. So I just want the people to know what may be coming. Like right. just be on the lookout. And you mentioned Barnes and Noble. So don't be surprised if if we see O'Lori with a whole section in there. <laughs> like so, it's just and I love the way you move. So kudos to you for you. for that. Um, and let's just close it out here. I just like what other areas uh, can you see yourself breaking into without, you know, giving us too you know, too much. Uh, too many secrets, but where else can you see your brand going?
1: Um, I mean, honestly, I let my brand go wherever it wants to go organically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, I've been kind of tinkering with the idea of maybe opening up a gym, okay which is so random but I'm starting to work out a lot more and mm-hmm. I'm getting into fitness I don't want to be a trainer I don't ever see myself mm-hmm. being a trainer but I do I am kind of starting to maybe like to work out and mm-hmm. I'm like I do have like a little bit of information on the gym and how much it works or how it works and um it could mm-hmm. be a very profitable investment for me so I don't know like it's it's gonna be something random to be honest y'all right. are just gonna be like what
0: but but, th- but that's interesting in that you said the gym because I feel like even though yes we we go to the gym or some of us don't like me I need to <laughs> get my life together that. but there I, I right. love it But there is room for a different kind of experience. I mean, that's how we get a soul cycle, which started a whole new revolution. So I'm definitely not counting your gym idea out. It's not random at all because fitness is big business. So if you do it when, not if you do it, when you do it, good luck
1: thank you thank you
0: so much of course and thank you again for for coming on i feel like i could talk to you for a whole other hour and i might just have you back (laughs) when you know (laughs) with the second book or the gym launch uh who knows but thank you so much this was amazing
1: thank you i appreciate you having me on
0: yes and where can people go to to learn more about you uh which websites do we want people to go to we talked about swankblue.com uh where can they go to get the book
1: to get the book, you can go to 101byolaurieswank.com. Okay. And that's the numbers 101. Or you could just go to my website, which is oloryswank.com and click the link.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Hashtags and Stilettos. Oh, Lori dropped some gems, didn't she? Like, I definitely hope you took some notes. And make sure you're following Hashtags and Stilettos on Instagram and using that hashtag for all of your business and career and fly boss chick outfit of the day posts so that we can see them and repost them on the page. And if you'd like to follow me, I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Success. That's M-I-S-S success. And you can find me on Snapchat at Miss Success with an extra S at the end. So that's M-I-S-S success success. with an extra s on it i cannot wait to get back to you guys with a new episode so stay tuned